was when I was a kid misremembering the term dry heaves. I, I don't buttery rumples is what I came to, but, but there it is. Good morning, and welcome to Downloadable Coffee Dallas. I'm your host, Michael Sewell, and joining me today is... Rebecca Easton. And... Daniel Shea. <clears throat> this podcast is where we recap the game events happening around the DFW area and beyond, as well as looking back upon the topics that took over the VGOCC last week. That's right! <laughs> I wish I had, like, that super, super cartoony thing. That's right! Yeah. The entire time. Just <laughs> any time any, I want somebody to agree with me. Just That's got to be one of those. Don't, don't smack that table. The microphone's I didn't smack it. I'm not saying you did. Oh, man. You want to start this early? All right. Yes. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. <laughs> Let's take a look at past events before we get into upcoming and then do the recap. So here we go. Uh, what happened last week? We have a couple of things. We have our beer club, which happens at Brain Dead Brewing. That is the last Tuesday of every month at Deep Elm. We had, I mean, Daniel made it out uh, last Tuesday, which is awesome. We had about 10 people show up. Nice. And when you get that big, sometimes it's really hard to moderate. And when everybody gets a little bit of spirits in them, kind of over at that point so at one end of the car one end of the table they were talking about somebody's idea on a vr for farming i want to say i think that's what he was getting into then it was david in the middle because david made it out to the beer club and he was having a conversation with the dude that was next to him and there were two other guys yeah there was something about like taking the pokemon go idea (laughs) and and adding like well i don't want to so steam is in what schools referred to for stem oh, oh right arts. right right so it's uh shoot what is it science technology engineering art and math yeah art and math yes. so they were talking <laughs> about doing that around dallas and um, there's a couple they've already launched the product i'll have to see if i can get them on the guy's name is jay he works at a vr company or runs a VR company, so I'll, I'll see if I can bring him on the show or have him sure. come out and talk a little. Uh, then we met up with Jim Welsh. Uh, do, you, do you know Jim Welsh? Yeah, yeah, I've met Jim quite a few times. Yeah, good Jim's awesome. When I got into the game, started networking in the game industry, Jim was one of the first people I ran into. At the time, he was working at Funimation. Mm. Since then, he's gone on. He's done pretty much everything from startup to a full-time developer doing indie. Uh, he re- did release a game that was like a snake game with a lot of music because his background is actually in composing. And he did all the trailers, like anime trailers for Funimation for a little bit there. And so I'd love to have him on the podcast as well eventually, but it was great to see him and just catch up. And we got into talking about volunteering and just what it takes to what it takes for somebody to actually go out and do a lot of stuff. So we talk a lot um, here about the podcast, about like how we volunteer. And mm-hmm. this isn't, nobody asks us to do this, but we want to do it. So we get up every morning, we drive our butts over here and we sit down and we do it, right? Well, thankfully it's not every morning. <laughs> oh, pretty much. For me, <laughs> it's every morning. Um, okay. That's true. I, I drive, like, I, I'm at everything uh, because I, I try to be that one consistent presence. So I'm at pretty much everything, so... 
Tyler, uh, I'm going to be meeting up with him later this week, but Tyler was mentioning to me, because he found out I lived in Irving, he was like, man, you you drive a lot, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I live in Garland, so similar deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's probably, what, 45 minutes to get Irving? Uh, depending on traffic, it can be hour, hour and 15, if I'm avoiding tolls. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... It well, was... thank you for coming out this morning. Sure. Very much. Um... So it was great to see everybody. There were a lot of interesting conversations. I spent most of my time with Jim because I hadn't seen him in like almost a year. Last time I talked to him, he was just getting into VR or no, AR with the phone. Um, so it was cool to see him. The other thing that happened last week, Cyanide and Happiness, we they show up sometimes at the game dev drink up. Cyanide and Happiness did their super secret project tests. A lot of people are speculating. Mm. And those that did get managed to get out there, this this was also at the same time as the beer club, so I can go. Yeah. Is their new fighting game? I want to say it's a fighting game. I don't know too much on the project, but they are doing a game. Uh, so All they were, right. They were most likely showing that off and having some people play test that, and that was at the Alamo Draft House, uh, Lake Highlands is what I said. What it says here. Oh, isn't that one of the newer ones? Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's up in. Oh. I forget where. <laughs> if you in Lake Highlands, I suppose. So not sponsored, not sponsored at all. But if you ever get a chance to go to Alamo Draft House, I love it. It's one of my favorite movie places to go. Yeah. Not again, not sponsored. It's one of my favorite right, places. Right, right. Yeah, and their midnight releases, they usually do like seven o'clock the night. The, the yeah. Night before, well, that's that's common nice. now. Uh, but I, that's like I just like the the atmosphere they have. Like they their pre show, they always have like a. A lot of clips that are just really Yeah, they'll have, like, a five-minute video loop of maybe, like, one of the actors in the movie you're about to see yeah. or, or, like, a theme like that. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, um, they also do really funny things with their menus. So for mm-hmm. Ant-Man, they had a little card. A tiny little card is probably about the size of my thumb. Yeah, you had a little magnifying glass yeah, to the- read the menu. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I went and saw, I think, Blade Runner, the new Blade Runner, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. it came out. And the, the stuff they dig up on YouTube... For the pre-show, whatever, they were showing like this one of Ryan Gosling's acting range. <laughs> have you seen this video? No, no. it's, it's like a guy with like a fake range, and he's like just <laughs> kind of doing a very caricaturized version of Ryan Gosling's you know persona yeah, that yeah. he does on screen. It's really good. It's, he was great in Drive. Uh, I haven't seen that. It's it's pretty good. Yeah. So that's what happened. Here's what's coming up. Upcoming events. 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 Upcoming a pretty much cartridge art, cartridge art, like you would see on old school cartridges. Uh, and then everybody will show up on August 13th and they'll pitch their idea and the, you team up with the people you, people you want to do the game with the most. Then on August 29th, everybody shows off what they did. And I think it's like a two, two week stretch of time that you get to put the game, right. game together. So if I recall correctly, this is like everybody comes up with the art for their cartridge before they make the game. Mm-hmm. And then they make the game based on that. And you don't have to use your own art because people submit tons of artwork. And then if you see anything that you like, you pick one and then you go up the day of the kickoff and you say, hey, this is the one I'd like to use and this is my pitch for the game based on that artwork. Would anybody like to sign up with me? And then they write all the 
all the people who pitch, they write them on a whiteboard, basically, and people who are interested in their pitches go sign up under their names. And so you can end up working on multiple projects. I think, despite there being, like, tons and tons and tons of art submitted last time, I want to say uh, there were, like, two or three artists that showed up to participate for the for the actual cartridge chance. So they... Jose was one of them. Poor yeah. guys were, like, way overworked having to, like, do art for, like, every... Every game. Yeah, Jose did oh, a game that was called Art Critic. <laughs> he did. I think I did see that. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, he was... showed it off at the at the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, if you guys ever come out to the club, or you guys want us to check check out your game, you have it somewhere we can play at. Let us know. Drop it in the Facebook or on our Discord. Both are called VGOCC. Yep. Short uh, for Video Game Open Coffee Club. I know. I was going to get into that later, but all right. Uh, so that's awesome. I'm gonna show up. I'm not gonna participate because you writing can be. We can I, make a game. Oh, don't tempt me. I'll show up. Maybe we should. We I'll should show up and do the podcast live. I want to see. I want to do that. I've got the tech. We have the <laughs> we ability. Have the <laughs> no, we have the ability. I just need. I I don't know how Node takes that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I need to talk with the people at noon before we can even start coming out that way um so a lot of the times if, if the events are at, co- at co-working spaces which node is a co-working space right, for right. node co-working uh normally you have to get permission to do stuff like i went to weworks the other day and we were trying to do some filming and they wouldn't let us film unless we filled out a bunch of paperwork and had at least one sponsor there with us so <laughs> we're like well never mind yeah <laughs> uh okay and did not forget this did not forget this QuakeCon on August 9th. This week, this yep. week I jumped. I jumped like a full paragraph there. Which <laughs> short guys hasn't added an, an event this this month. They have been advertising very heavily on people coming out to industry giants. Uh, I'll pull that list up here in a second. Oops. Yeah, that's uh, that's in September. Industry giants 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and the second Thursday of every month is Game Dev Drink Up. Yep, so this Thursday at Vickery Park, as usual, come join a bunch of uh, local game devs, indie mm-hmm. professional, doesn't matter. Join us and have a few beers, or not, up to you. Mm-hmm. What time would y'all recommend showing up to that? Uh, it starts at 8, but it generally goes until everybody leaves. Okay. That's, that's a true statement. Uh, and it also depends on like who you want to see. Mm-hmm. So there used to be like a group that was there, the beginning of it, and some of them would get there at the middle, and then some will get there like just as it's ending. So it really depends on like what kind of crowd you want to be <laughs> when you when you start. To, it's also got quite a few students, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, but for any student that's coming out, don't bring your resumes. We've had that happen in the past. Yeah, at most, like, a business card or something, or if you've got, like, your phone, you want to, you know, ask somebody to critique your reel, that's not a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. But make sure you're 21. They do check IDs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I do have some of their, some of Industry Giant's announcements. So they have Ron Clements, a direct... Disney director slash writer from Walt Disney Animation Studios. He's going to be the keynote speaker. Then they have Brian Godwin, CEO and SR, SR, Senior Effects Supervisor. I don't know. It just says SRFVFX. A lot of letters. Supervisor uh, from Shade VFX. Uh, And that's all that I see right now. (laughs) 
yeah, we can get more into the speakers later on. We'll, we'll compile a full list for yeah, everybody. Well, I want to have one of them out. I think I can get one of the industry giant people oh, to come yeah. out and talk on the talks. I mean, especially if they're here in town for industry giants, we'll probably well, pull them in. I don't know if I can get the get their speakers on the podcast, but I might be able to get somebody from a bunch of short guys to be on the podcast. Yes, yeah, they're always here in town. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you're interested, you got to buy your tickets now. They tend to sell out pretty quickly once it gets closer. They also sometimes have a mixer after the conference, and I believe it's always one day. They've never expanded them to do, although they say if they get bigger, they might do that. Right, right. They are still looking for sponsors, so if you're wanting to get your title card or logo onto some of their stuff, reach out to them, ask them how much it is. They're looking for it. Uh, they're also looking for artists to fill up their artist alley or just any local talent, so games, artists, if you want to promote your stuff, if you want to sell your stuff, let them know. They may have a spot still open for you. Do we know pricing on that stuff? I have not had a chance to get to the pricing aspect of it yet. Uh, been a little busy. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's move on to the the recap from the past video game open coffee clubs this past week. Recap. All right, so Thursday, for the VGOCC uh, Thursday, we talked about, uh, well, this is something that was mentioned, I think, a week or two ago, and I never got onto the podcast, so I'm bringing it up now. The all-new Steam chat, mm-hmm. The this was posted on the Facebook. Uh, Will, who is the one that submitted it, was wondering if this meant the end of Discord. I don't think so. Uh, so Steam updated a lot of their services so that you can now invite people directly in Steam to play games with you or to chat. It's pretty much got all the functions that Discord has. Yeah. yeah. Right, so the question was whether or not that was going to hurt Discord in the long run. I say no, because it's just for Steam. Yeah. <laughs> it's not for any any other platform. Right, right. So the advantage that Discord has, as you just said, is it's third party, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not only associated with your Steam library and your Steam games. You can launch almost any game. Uh, through that and team up with your friends through that. But I think the bigger issue is that it's too little too late from from Steam's friends chat or mm-hmm. chat system, whatever they're doing. Steam chat, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, their chat system has been so lackluster for so many years, of course we were going to have third-party software come through. Mm-hmm. And now Discord has done such an excellent job as a voice platform, as a text platform, and all of that. At this point, everybody's already got their huge groups, mm-hmm. right? Right. And that's what I was saying. It's a lot like Twitter coming on to take out, take, you know, take on Facebook. Um, when Twitter first launched, a lot of people were like, is this the end of Facebook? The answer was no, because Facebook had already had a huge lead on, right, on everything right. already. And Twitter was just slowly starting to get up. And we didn't see like a full swing of Twitter until like almost three or four years later. So, no, I don't think so. But it's a nice try. Uh, the other thing we have here, Steam user count has decreased 17% since January. <laughs> They're blaming a lot of that on PUBG. Because hmm. PUBG has also seen a fall off and they blame some of it on Fortnite. Because that is played through EA Well, so stuff. I want to know what... I haven't seen clarity on this. Is it like users just haven't logged in? Or is it users like deleted their accounts? Or no, it just says that. Well, it might it must be like new users. Maybe. 
Like they don't have enough new users coming in. You know, it'd help if we just opened up the article. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Uh, Steam is con- currently seeing a big decline in numbers of people playing games and even having Steam open on the computer since January yeah. of this year. Well, well, first line. <clears throat> there you go. <laughs> there yeah, is your yeah. answer. Well, I mean, we've got so many new platforms now, like Steam. Like, we've got EA's Origin. We've got Ubisoft's Uplay. Mm, Gog. Uh, yes, good old games. Um, Humble Bundle has its own thing. I, Itch.io. Yeah, yeah. Itch.io. Mm. So, uh, uh, a Steam spy creator points out it's not unusual to see a drop in players during the warmer seasons, which makes sense because during summer, you're on vacation, right. you're traveling around, going to the beach, right? But to see numbers decline down by 17% compared to 9% last year. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people are also, I mean, Steam is a great platform, but its store has now gotten so bloated yeah. that it's hard to like sift through and find things that you want to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we were talking about this upstairs, too. It's kind of like, at this point, all I use Steam for is just a, a condensed library of games that I've got installed, that I can filter by, like, installed, uh, or so many categories, because I can set all my filters. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and that know. was the other thing that I that I pointed out when, I, when we brought up the topic, is that Steam changed the way that they are moderating games that are being submitted to their, mm-hmm. to their marketplace, right? It, they used to have, what was it... Green light, and they're yep. like, nah. Then it was direct, and mm-hmm. they're like, nah. It's too many games being submitted. We don't have enough manpower for it. We're just not gonna do it. And then they just kind of let the floodgates open again. Well, yeah, and they had some other restrictions. And then very recently, we talked about this on a past podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, they decided to remove any restrictions because uh, I forget what they're what they actually came out and said. Um, I don't know, it's kind of like the, the free speech of games, right? Like, if they if they moderate one subset of games, they have to moderate all the subset of games. Oh, yeah. Well, so they're just not doing it. I wish I had the article on here. I think it is on here, but it talks a lot about, in doing so, what they did was they allowed the marketplace to also be flooded with, like, fake titles and yeah, malware yeah. and those, those things. That said, they do still have some stuff in there to help moderate it a little bit. Um... If a a developer has, like, enough strikes against them for, like, copyright claims, things like that, uh, they will just stop that developer from uploading more stuff to to Steam. And we've seen them do that in the past. Not not so much that, but, like, the... the, I forget what it was. We talked about on a previous podcast Mm -hmm. where the guy told all of his people that they should be buying the game. Yes, the fake reviews. Yeah, and inflating the... everything, so... The ranking, that's what it is. Inflating the ranking with everything. Um, Okay, so there's a lot of reasons I think Steam is kind of, I think it's seen its heyday, it's hit its point, and now it's just kind of hanging out. It's hit its Facebook moment. (laughs) Especially because, what was it, a couple, was it a month or two ago, they changed their privacy settings as well? Well, they had to for the European uh, privacy change, right? Yeah, the general data protection regulation. I know this because I have at least GDPR. Yeah, three clients that have to deal with that and it's just been a nightmare. Uh the one that's trying to be a solution for it. So really hey. Not sponsored. Okay. Here's one that I thought was it really interesting. Parents hiring Fortnite coaches to improve play help children level up. Mm-hmm. In here, it says parents are throwing down between ten to twenty dollars per an hour so their kids can level up and come and can and become better Fortnite players. Has games 
gone that mainstream now? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Look at I mean, the fact that games are a sport now, right? Mm -hmm. Esports is a thing. That means that there are kids who want to get into that scene. Mm -hmm. and people were arguing about that upstairs, and I'm just like, how is this different from soccer practice after school yeah. with like a coach there? Well, I mean, so it is I different. I, I get, I get what you're saying. My, my fascination with this is that it, and it was in the article that says here. Let me, I'm bouncing around too much. I wanted to find like really good numbers on like what the new new esports thing is because it's taking over the world. It's at least in like four different major countries. Uh, so one person says here the pressure is not to just play it, but to be really good at it. <laughs> That's so true. They're, they're paying people facts. to get their kids good. Yeah. Well, yeah. and like uh, Tyler was saying that the. Uh, the interesting thing to him was it wasn't even like like you know uh, just like over spoiling your kids so they can just have everything and be the best it was like to keep their kids from getting picked on at school like for Jeez. not being that good at Fortnite okay well I'll hire this coach to come in and, and bring them up to par right. what if these kids are having nightmares of like stampeding bullies <laughs> just going get good yeah. <laughs> teabagging shirts no we <laughs> Um, this is the, this I is prefer the, Clam Slam. Clam Slam? Ah, that's a new one. I had not heard I've, that. I'm learning all kinds of new yeah, terms. Yeah, if oh, you're a lady, it. it's a Clam Slam. So wait, Clam Slams and... Teabagging. No, no. Uh, oh, the, the buttery the buttery rumples. Yeah. Oh, that was too much. Which we gotta how, make that a thing. It's no. too much of a cop-out. No, I meant like, we gotta make that a new game thing. The buttery rumple. When you come up and... <laughs> like, to clarify, this, this started as, when I was a kid, misremembering the term dry heaves. I, I don't know how... Buttery rumples is what I came to, but, but there it is. What I wanted to point out is that <laughs> we see a huge, just like the online community being toxic to people who aren't good. Yeah. Right? Like, one of the reasons why I don't play online is because I don't want to, you just got this, this <laughs> grin on your face, like, I got it in this <laughs> buttery rumples, that's it, man. Anyways, so we see the... We just see online, like one of the reasons why I stopped playing is just because of the tox toxicity there, right? I am not good. I know that, right? There are certain games I excel at. Those are usually single person games, right? I don't do really well in com competitive MMOs or MOBAs or anything like mm -hmm. that. I, I'm not good at it. First person shooters, ha. Uh, I can kill one one or two things, but I'm, I'm shooting a live match, right? Trey, believe that. In in the in the process of that, if you are on a live chat and you really suck, the players are going to let you know, mm -hmm. right? And you're talking a day and age where identity is important. Your self esteem is very low because you have tons of messaging coming to you saying you're not cool enough because you don't have the latest system, right? So you're fooling the the odd kid out. This makes sense. <laughs> yeah. This makes it makes weird sense. It's kind of like this mainstream games have finally like. I don't know, sold out sort of moment that, that's happened that parents are now taking it seriously because they realize that games do affect lives and just as much as a, po a negative as it does in a positive way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that gets on the topic of toxicity and, like, that's a big problem that a lot of developers are trying to combat right now is how to keep your player base uh, so. civil, especially when there's new players, right? Like, Encouraging players to continue getting better and playing without having a huge amount of toxicity thrown their way. Well, like if you're if you're being 
told that you're bad at the game nonstop, then why would you continue playing to get to the point where you're good at the game? Yeah, it's and it's weird to watch that transition over what like maybe just thirty years ago people were getting swirlies for playing video games, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. now people are getting swirlies for not being good enough at games. I wonder if it's the same with the comic book lore now that Marvel is mainstream. Oh yeah, I bet. Like, well, you haven't watched Captain America five yet. Right. <laughs> don't know everything about the entire multiverse. Yeah. Oh, don't even. Well, that's Friday. We'll get into that in a second. I've got one last thing here for the Thursday group. I do have one last Fortnite thing, if you don't mind. Go for it. Uh, <clears throat> oh, Fortnite finally released on Android phones, but they decided to completely circumvent the Play Store or any of their uh, of the phone Android phone store stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally, those stores take like 30% of your sales or transactions, microtransactions included. Uh, Epic was saying if you want Fortnite on your Android phone, you have to download it directly through their website. The okay. APK. Okay, there's a couple of apps that I have on my phone that they, it's like manga apps mm-hmm. where you can mm-hmm. read. And they, because they've gotten cited for like having hentai on there and stuff like that, they'll remove those apps a lot so some of the those developers are like well it's still here you can just download directly from me at this point right you can just install the apk and allow your phone to do that yeah yeah but this is such a powerhouse game right it is like i wonder if that's going to inspire other developers to do the same or for new platforms to arise because of it or google just blacklists the page. I mean, they have that ability. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I think they'd be breaking their own terms of something there. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> anyway. So the last thing we had on Thursday, we talked about making the privacy problem worse. Right? Uh, it, it cites the oh, just 10 years ago this month, some publishers look at the recording industry's disastrous reaction to file sharing and basically copy it. Uh, so this points back to the music industry and how they were dealing with uh, people that were hacking into the system, stealing their music, doing, doing like, you remember LimeWare? Yeah, yeah. LimeWare, uh, LimeWare, even Napster. Yeah, ways to download music for free. Uh, a lot of Yo-ho. publishers, no, what do you call them? Distribution? Labels? Or Thank you, a lot of labels. Record labels. Yes, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of record labels were taking out uh, thousands of dollars worth of lawsuits on anything that breathed at the time, like mothers, children, anybody that downloaded something from one of those was slapped with the lawsuit. Uh, games, some games have taken on that same aspect and where they're going after the people that that steal their, their stuff. We talked about some games that have been really crafty when they've when somebody pirates their game. Like, I don't remember what the game was, but you have, like, this invincible scorpion man chasing you around the map. Oh, Serious like, Sam. Yes. yes. Yeah. If you if you download it, there's one where you actually are a pirate if you pirated the game. Uh, there's another where you can get towards the end of the game, but then they cap it right there, and there are people that were getting online and going, oh, this sucks, what happened to my yeah. game? Why is it? And the developer coming back and was like, sounds like you pirated our game. Why don't you buy it? Here's the link, right? Like, yeah, yeah. My we, favorite, I think, was, uh, uh, what was it, Game Maker? Uh, or, sorry, it was, like, Game Dev Simulator, mm-hmm. right? And you're, you're building your companies and, and all that stuff and building your games, and eventually, if you pirated the game, uh, all of your sales would drop because your games were being pirated <laughs> in-game. 
That's so meta. It is. It's very meta. Uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, so in here it says they, there's a bunch of acronyms that um, are talking, but the line here says, that sounds good to us, threatening to sue 25,000 people, included, um, it was a European game developer and publisher saw with the RIAA, somewhere in here mentions that. Uh, the Recording yeah. Industry Association of America. Thank I, you. I had, to, I had to call them to get permission to use the parental advisory label. <laughs> really? One of the most interesting and kind of nerve-wracking voicemails I've ever left. <laughs> you know, you're an all-star. <laughs> Go play. Uh, so the people saw what the RIAA was doing and threatened to sue 25,000 people identified in file-sharing their games unless they coughed up 300 euros in restitution. The group in, the gr that group included Atari, Codemasters, Reality Pump, Techland, and Topware Interactive. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of companies that are involved with that. Yeah. I mean, piracy is definitely a huge problem for the software industry in general, right? Yeah. Uh, and the music industry has already suffered for it. But what was the what was the end result of that? Like, streaming services... I mean, Adobe launched streaming services, so you could, the, could get the Adobe Cloud, where you could pay, like, a nominal fee about... Like, I pay 54 or something. Unless you're a company, then I pay way too much. But... Uh, oh, for my own single subscription, for my own personal subscription, I pay 50, 54 54 Yeah, that. yeah, that's not a streaming service, but I think that's it's, exactly the direction. It's a, it, it's a cloud-based service, right. right? And you get all of their programs, you get the most up-to-date programs. Again, not a sponsor. <laughs> you get all the up-to-date up programs on it. Uh, I mean, Unity allows you to download their stuff. Unity, U UE, UE. Unreal. Yes. yes. Uh, Unreal all allow you to download their stuff for free, and then when you start making the big bucks, that's when they come knocking on your door asking for a little bit of a change. Um, I mean, but that's on, that's in the the software development side, right? Right. Uh, on the consumer side, like like you were you were saying, having those services like streaming services like like Spotify, Google mm -hmm. Play, or whatever. Gamefly. Uh, yeah, sure. Gamefly. Uh, still around. I think that's the natural still. evolution of. Of games, like eventually, we've talked about this a couple times. We did. Right? We, we we've talked about it several times. I think over the last couple of podcasts, we've talked about um, streaming and like why it's not working because of infrastructure, right, right, because of lag times between server. I mean, that's what Xbox uh, Scarlet, their new system they call that's a dub Scarlet right yeah, now, yeah. is all about breaking the game up into two parts where the reactions and the commands are housed on the actual unit. And the game itself is hosted on the cloud. Right, right. Right. Uh, yeah. So, so the the streaming services kind of I don't want to say it entirely stopped piracy from the music industry. It, it certainly hasn't. But mm -hmm. I would like to see what what those numbers are now. Like, how many people are still pirating music when they can instead be streaming it uh, fairly cheaply mm -hmm. uh, and legitimately, right? Mm hmm. I mean, it also comes down to like what it what is your definition of cheap. Because for, for me, I can handle 10, right? But yeah. a couple earlier this year, I couldn't because I had no money. <laughs> right, right. Um, there's a lot of things that happened that resulted in both my company and, uh, well, the company that I was previously working for in cryptocurrency that shut down our banks and froze our assets. So nobody got paid for three, for almost three or four months. Yeah. Um, and because they thought we were money laundering. So we had no nothing for, for such a long time that even 10 bucks was really hard. So, and if you're talking about 
a society where the poverty line is just rising up to almost start including the middle class. Like we're almost have no middle class now. Um, if you're talking about that, 10 bucks might not be the thing. That's okay because YouTube is a free service, which is great. Right, right. And YouTube music is free as well. It is. It is. And they get paid through advertising, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're not paying for the subscription, then you just get ads once in a while, which isn't right. so bad. Same with Spotify, right? I think you get ads way more often, though. Probably. Yeah, that's the reason why I coughed at the 10 bucks, because I hate ads. <laughs> Even though that's the industry I work in. That's, uh, um, so, I don't, I don't know. Uh, the, in order to solve a lot of that and really put the streaming things into effect, you have to have better infrastructure. And I think we're, like, what, third in the world for that? South Korea is beating us by a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a number of regions that are... A little further along on the infrastructure side, but Absolutely. I think there might be a solution for for streaming games that is you know acceptable. I want to so the same article that that where it talks about piracy. It starts to get a little weird because it talks about piracy and then it talks about the next generation of consoles. And what I think they were trying to get out here, although they didn't quite get in get into, it, is just what happens when a console goes obsolete. So, like, the Xbox 360, the legacy consoles, like, the original stuff, is no, is no longer serviceable. If you're a console break and you had one of the originals, that's it. It's yep, over with. Yep. It's done. They only support, I believe, at the time that I left Microsoft, they were only supporting Xbox 360 Slim. And if you sent in any of the originals, you got back an Xbox 360 Slim. <laughs> um, so, it was pointing out some things here on uh, an example of how... Cautiously, the industry approached digital distribution. Capcom initially refused to digitally distribute the PC version of Devil May Cry 4 or some of its other titles, apparently due to piracy concerns. I mean, that, that makes sense. Uh, but when you get into, like, these these legacy consoles that are no longer there, that's when you see the rise of emulators. And we talked last podcast, last podcast, about the Nintendo taking that lawsuit out on... Yeah, it was, it was multiple emulator websites, or, or ROM websites. Like, yeah. emulators are perfectly legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is not is downloading the ROMs for your games. Um, it is entirely within your rights to back up your own copies of games, which is generally the legal claim that you could make if you had those, and you just also happen to have the physical games. Yeah. But in the case of those websites, I mean... <clears throat> they're they're pretty much there so people can pirate games. Yeah. Looks like a duck. She <laughs> quacks like a duck. It must be a chicken. <laughs> All right, so that's everything we talked about on Thursday. Now, the reason why I brought Daniel back onto the podcast is I didn't make it out to Friday, and I don't think you did either, Michael. No, I was not able to. Right, so I sent a super secret agent for me, Daniel, to re- record what happened. So, Daniel, take it away. What, what did you guys talk about? We, we, I mean, we really didn't we didn't discuss any news, really, with the exception of um, Melissa uh, came back. For, you know, she spent, like, the last month working mm-hmm. on a, in Austin on a project called Girls Make Games. Mm-hmm. Um, so she filled us in on, on some of the, the goings-on, what they've been up to. She's coming on next week to talk about that experience, actually. Sweet. Yeah, mm-hmm. sounds like it sounds like it was a really cool, really cool deal. Um, I mean, so we talked a little about that, and then we mostly reminisced of, you know, nostalgically on, on 
on old games we talked about, um, you know, our feelings on side quests and, like, um, you know, uh, M Matt mentioned his dislike of, of them a lot of times because of attention spans. So, I mean, the, the which I agree, like, the, the world being as super saturated as it is with games, it's hard to to justify fully investing in... in Do you mean like in, in sandbox games or in yeah. what kind of games? Yeah, I, I mean, we, we spend quite a bit of time talking specifically about sandbox games and, and, and you would, know, a few others. Would you classify God of War, the, the latest God of War, uh, as a sandbox game? No. Okay. I agree. I wasn't bringing that up to like tell me what the actual no, no, is. I, no, I just I, have firm thoughts on this matter because we've no, had the same discussion. We, we've had this a lot and sometimes we're on the same level on it. Uh, my biggest issue with the new God of War thing was like how spread out all of the side quests were. And if you really wanted to get into the lore of the world, you had to go do those side quests. And while it was cool, like the whole boat sequence on, on getting there and them telling stories and you just kind of getting to know everything, it was still so long. And there was no <laughs> easy way of getting getting there. There's an easy way of getting back, of course, because you could teleport by that point. Right, right. I but, mean, at a certain point in the game, you can then teleport anywhere and then do all those side quests. Mm, but I didn't go I don't far. Know. My attention span didn't last very long. <laughs> I got to where I like, got the this level down the second time that was gotcha. like the end end of it um so i i agree sometimes and sometimes the hide the quest in like the most convoluted places actually now i'm thinking about side quests there was a quest uh anthony birch right was yeah. the previous writer for for borderlands 2 borderlands yeah. 2 right uh, there is a quest in borderlands 2 there's no spoiler alert because this is like a 10 year old game now um seven Seven. Um, four years off. Um, three years off. Woof. Can't even math in the morning. It's Monday. It's all right. Uh, so, one of the side quests, you just run out into the, and I'll never forget this because it was so weird. You run out into a little field, and there's just a single guy standing there, and he's like, shoot me in the face! You're like, uh, okay, and you shoot him in the face, and you get a quest. Right? Yep, and that, yep, that was it. The root. Yep. Yeah. His name was, was Face McShooty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, I, I met Anthony Birch couple times and he told me he told me about like the the reason behind that particular quest itself was he was doing a whole bunch of research and reading a whole bunch of articles and just talking about the violence of games and how it was just kind of kind of pointless and that was the reason why he did that particular thing but sometimes when you go out of the way like the quest you end up taking isn't really worth your time i would argue and this is me understand i don't like puzzle games I don't, I can't, I can't handle it. I'm not smart enough. All of the side dungeons you can do in Breath of the Wild, mm -hmm. I absolutely hate them. Really? I do. So do you even like Breath of the Wild? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a little blunt. No, 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 that's, that's a good that's question. Right? Like, like, it's a good question. I like what they were doing with it, mm -hmm. but I felt like they missed a lot of opportunities on how they could have put the story in better. Because right? if you wanted the story, you could stay on a linear path and just and just get it. But you had all these dungeons you could run into, and they clearly planned to have these dungeons in there anyways. Those were perfect opportunities to do world building right there. Instead, yeah, you get yeah. the same line over and over again. I'm a monk. I'm dead. Here's your orb of magic. Have a great day. I, you know, actually, I completely <laughs> agree with that. I do think that they could have spiced up the shrines a little bit. Each yeah. one have a little bit more info for you. Something to, to suck you in more. Yeah. That said... 
that is a game where I don't, I'd argue that it's almost entirely side quests. Uh, but it doesn't present them to you like side quests, mm-hmm. right? So I wonder if it's if it's the wrapping that really yeah. makes it or breaks it. Right. Uh, yeah. If the game yeah. pl- one of the things he, Matt was saying uh, is if the gameplay is solid enough, like if it's just fun as hell to play and the action is like immediate, uh, then he is more inclined to like I think he said he one hundred percent at Mario Odyssey, and, mm-hmm. and that is typically the kind of game. Where, like, if it's platform intensive and everything's instant, if you make a mistake, you can correct halfway through your action, and it's not this, like, well, I have to wait for two minutes for it right, to go through right. this dialogue again, or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. um, But I thought that was a good point. Yeah, yeah. and then it. touching on the part of side quests that I'm really not a fan of anymore, and I think Matt may have been also talking about, is things like uh, open-world sandbox games like Assassin's Creed or... Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of RPGs that just do kind of like fetch quests, like walk up, talk to a guy, or follow him while he talks to you for five minutes, then go over here, kill an alligator, and then come back and give him a thing, and he talks to you for another two minutes. And, yeah. right. and it's it's just so much content in these huge maps that are already filled with content. It's it's overwhelming. <clears throat> Side quests are built for explorer gamers. They're yeah. not yeah. built for people that just want to get in there and, and destroy things, right? And that's kind of important to know when when you're looking at games in general is what is the audience that they're building for? Because part each ga- every game is designed with a couple different gamer types in there. And when I yeah. say gamer types, you have the explorer who likes to s- discover every inch of the map. You have the story player who just wants the narrative, doesn't care about anything on the side unless he reads later on. If you play this side quest, you would have gotten more of this story, mm-hmm. right? Then you have the people that are, like, are achievement hunters. They want to get all those achievements, right? So you have all these different play styles, and you're trying to carter to each one of them. Does it pay off? Not every single time. Right, right. Right? <clears throat> but to know that there's at least a part of the game that's built for somebody that enjoys an exploration of a large world, like Skyrim, right? That... that that gives people that good Philly touch inside. Yeah, and you know, I, I love that depending on the game. Like, Witcher mm-hmm. 3, that's a game where I 100% it, right? Mm-hmm. I went through, I did all the quests, I did all the, the items on the map, all that stuff. I love that game to death. But I think the worst example of it would be the games like uh, like Far Cry, mm-hmm. where all the side quests are not even really quests so much as just like there's a mark on the map, and you go, like, literally you go up and you touch a thing. Or... You go over here, you go climb up a tower, reveal more map, and then you've got more spots to hit up. So you go walk over here and touch the thing, and then walk over here and touch the thing. It's It just becomes this huge, non-rewarding waste of time. Okay. To me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I haven't finished a game like that in years because I always get so mired in that stuff that I just lose interest in the rest of the game. Yeah. What else? What else? Uh, you know, we, and we talked about beat 'em ups a little bit. Reminisced about about I, th- I guess they're um, I don't remember all the names of the games we talked. I'm horrible about remembering. We did talk a little about like Golden Axe, obviously like the, <laughs> the quintessential side-scrolling beat 'em up. And then we talked about some some of the like '90s era comic book style games. Like I don't know, did y'all ever play Comic Zone on the Sega Genesis? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. I mean, it is super '90s, but it, like wonderful. I've got a, I've got a one game from Sega Genesis that is super '90s too. It's a basketball game called Bounce. You play as basketballs. 
and you have to bounce <laughs> off of each other to score because you have to get into like the hoop. They all had sunglasses and mohawks most of the time. God, that's beautiful. <laughs> the glory days. But yeah, this. I mean, it it, it well, plays like like visually, it looks like a comic book. You're going from panel to panel, basically. That's cool. Beating up the bad guys, and there's quote all the speech is done in quote bubbles. It's that's cool. It's a way out uses comic book paneling in yeah, really interesting yeah. ways. It is very interesting. Uh, yeah, it's a, a co-op game. The entire game is co-op. Okay. Mm -hmm. In fact, when you buy it, they give you another copy so you can play it with a friend. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so the whole That's game, really cool. there, it's like these two guys who are trying to escape prison and so many other things. Uh, I think it's one of the best indie selling. Was it indie? It uh, sort of. I'd call it double A. Not uh, quite indie. It's, it's not quite triple A. One of the better this year. This year, it's one of the better selling games this year. Yeah, with a good experience. There's a lot about the game I didn't care too much for, but the way that they did the paneling. Now that I'm thinking about it, the way that they did the paneling and just moved it around. There's a lot of it that just had that comic book action feel to it. It was like 2004 Incredible Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All I can think about it now is just there's one scene that always sticks out is when he's in the water, mm -hmm. like the dad is like sucking him, and he's like, "Take it all!" And he's just like, <laughs> yeah, towards the end. That's the yeah. Aaron Bono one, right? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. really, well, I mean, they're all really bad, but the like non-Edward Ed Norton. Norton incredible. Okay, it's like I like Edward Norton and uh, rough. Mark Ruffalo isn't doing too bad. He's not. I really like Mark Ruffalo. He has not had his own movie. Anymore. I was about to say he hasn't had a chance to really show off. I don't think they're actually. You could do argue it. Thor. Yeah, Ragnarok. He he got to shine some. He yeah. did. I think that's awesome. It's not going to be like the lead up to what Hulk World might be, because aren't they Planet uh, Hulk? Yeah, that's kind of what Planet Hulk was. Uh, yeah. That. The whole like world yeah. that they go to in Ragnarok that was essentially Planet Hulk. The only people I know that that did not like Thor Ragnarok that was their critique was they because they're like are super. I guess I should say the only people I heard that made that the comment like I don't like the movie are hard like diehard mm -hmm. Hulk fans that love Planet Hulk and feel like they bastardized that story arc and made it more about Thor. But I mean. It's Taika Waititi. It's it's so good. Like, it, it, was, it was. I think we're also in a very interesting age where you see two fans. You see the ones that are like, comic books are awesome. Why aren't you in the comic books? And then you see that people are like, I love Marvel, but they're actually just talking about the movies. Yeah. Right. So it's really interesting to see the the clash of the two, uh, because you you'll hear all the time, well, that's not how it happened in the movie. Well, no, of course it's not. Like. They took a, a, which is it, Iron Man 3. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a perfect example of them taking the source material and just, like, warping it in yeah, such a huge way. Right? So, mm, you I have mean, comic book stuff on here. Harry Potter did the There were lots of things they left out of the Harry Potter movie. I like, it still kind of blows my mind that they never involved Peeves anywhere. I know. And originally, the guy that was going to play Peeves, uh, who, who unfortunately died somewhere halfway through the the series, but was the guy that was... Did you ever watch Tro Trop Dead Fred? Mm-mm. Oh, well, it's a 90s... Another 90s movie about <laughs> a girl with an imaginary friend named Drop Dead Fred, and the guy who played him, Rick Mayall, I think is his name, was... Anyway, he was going to be peeves, and he would have been fantastic. <clears throat> but, yeah, like, there are things that, that bothered me that got left out in the movies, yeah, but for yeah. the film art form, like, I mean, they're... Great I mean, you know, a lot of people make that argument about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. the books for the movie. Like, Tom Bombadil is completely cut out of all of the Lord of the Rings media content. 
uh, except the books. But I wonder if it was just like, how do you describe the concept of Tom Bombadil in a small media format, in the movie format? And that's and that's what a lot of it. Like, if you don't listen listen to uh, Peter Jackson, Peter Jackson. Thank you. If you go and listen to Peter Jackson, like they talk about the reason why they cut out so much, mm-hmm. right? Because you only have so much time you can do in film, and you have to remember that you have to get. Like, as much as games have to have publishers, so do films. They have their own sort of stuff they have to go through. If you don't have enough funding (laughs) to do everything, then you're going to pick and choose the most important parts. And I don't know much about it. I watch the movies mostly, so I don't know how much of an important role he had and who they wrap that. Because sometimes if if a character has an important role but they don't have the time, they'll wrap it into another character. Right, so yeah. I don't know what who character he would have been wrapped up in, other than maybe like. I don't, I don't think they even did wrap his his character was kind of entirely sidelined, but he's also kind of a huge part of that universe. Uh, anyway, we don't need to go into the discussion on Tom right, Bombadil. Right, right. We could go for hours on that. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. So we do have an expansion topic. I think we have enough time to go over it a little bit. Um, it's uh, so we were talking about like what are what are we going to talk on. Uh, consumers are consumers entitled and game developers bitter so that's our expansion <laughs> topic stay tuned for it but first let's get into our shout outs so uh, of course as always thank you to Nirvana for allowing us to continue to the, use this booth and make me awesome London Fog I walked into the and the guy just looks at me and he goes the usual and I was like yes sir yeah so, the coffee shop they do real well they're, they're very talented they uh, are baristas indeed indeed and mm-hmm. Best part is they have board games here, and you don't even have to buy them first. You can play some here. They have them all over the place. You can play chess. You can play uh, what was it? I think they had exploding kitties. Oh yeah, uh, exploding, have little, yeah. So they have they have a couple of fun, unique games. Some of them I've only ever seen on Kickstarter, so it's cool to see them here. Uh, they also take some games that are donated every now and then, so that's kind of cool. Uh, so of course, thank you to Nirvana for always letting us be here. You guys are great, and shout out to Trey for. Trey Hodge, who always does an amazing job with our podcasts. He's been doing some awesome little sound bites in between sections, which has just been fun. I think the last one I heard was on Jewel, and it was the sound of like people yelling about gas, gas cleanup. It was great. I love it. It's either Joel's or yours, Daniel. Um, so thank you to him. And of course, thank you to Anwar. He's been working really hard on trying to keep us. Uh, getting up on Wednesday, he's managed to do it for the last three weeks now, which is awesome. So now we're finally getting that consistency. The frequency we had, the consistency was the struggle. Um, also, Anchor was down for like yeah, a good couple yeah. couple weeks there, so that, that kind of hurt us. So thank you to you three. You three. <laughs> thank you, Nirvana, um, as a third person. And also shout out to Daniel, who's been coming out here and helping helping us. Uh, and thank you for helping out on Friday with moderating the group. Again, we don't keep control of it. If you want to get involved, if you want to do something in our name, you just want to spread our blessing, reach out, let us know what you want to do, and we'll, we'll help you as best as we can. All righty. That's any other shout-outs that we have? Daniel, give us an ASMR buttery rumbles. Uh, wait. Man, you are trying to what? make this a thing. So yes, good. I am. <laughs> ASMR, what is... What? Oh, you know oh, the... no. I know. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm, okay. I don't have the knowledge. Buttery rumbles. 
What does what does ASMR actually stand for? I you know I don't remember. Auditorial stimulation. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, auditorial stimulation. It's where people make sounds that are like quiet sounds, but they sound really good and they feel really good. My roommates were watching this Irish guy who makes weapons, and the entire experience is so such like a giant hour long ASMR thing. It's ridiculous. I saw uh, one over the weekend. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it was an ASMR bank robbery, which was pretty funny. You can look that I'll up on YouTube. I'll have to look this up, yeah. <laughs> All right. New education. There you go. All right. So <clears throat> I have one here also. It says, developers are dying inside. Could, could consumers be the reason? One of the reasons why we're bringing this up is, uh, I mean, in part, Guild Wars 2, the, the stuff that happened with Guild Wars oh, 2. Oh, the, the writer stuff. Right. Uh, that, that was Gamergate. a lot. Yeah. A lot of people were feeling like, consumers are entitled because they feel like they can make decisions for the game industry by blowing up their inbox. You also have developers coming out and saying like being critiqued and criticized all the time is super hard and soul killing. And they, I mean, they put in such long hours and when they, the game that they worked so hard on finally hits the market and they received a blacklister response, some of them are like, why am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you were saying that developers have a certain lifespan. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, the most common, the common career lifespan of a game developer is about five years. So somebody will, will work their butts off to get into the industry, finally do it, and work even harder on some, some game or multiple games or whatever. Uh, usually it'll end up getting shot to hell. And then at the end, they just quit the industry and go do something else. I mean, you also have huge companies just shutting out, like, EA, Activision, whichever you, one you want to call it, the the one that acquires studios the most. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. there, there is, there's a, I forget which one it is, there's one that acquires studios the most, and then within like a month, it's always like, are they going to actually do something with it or shut it down? And within a month or two or sometimes six of acquiring the studio, they end up shutting it down. Right? Shame. <laughs> Shame. So you, so you have this flood of just talent in the industry uh and then you have you have this the, these hard barriers to entry yeah for for some companies to get into uh, that just i can i can see why burnout is such a huge thing yeah right yeah. and i think that's a lot of it and as far and so oh man i forgot the article we talked about it once before but i forget what what it was but it was a breakdown of just like tweets that some developers will get from consumers who just don't understand the whole gaming process or the, the development process of it, right? Right, and I mean, all the time you'll see comments on somebody's game like, oh, why didn't they add this feature or that feature? Why couldn't they code in multiplayer on this game? I mean, it'd only take a couple days, right? <laughs> like, uh, no, mm -hmm. no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People have such unrealistic expectations on lots of stuff. I, I, have you guys <laughs> ever messed with some of the freelance Websites like Upwork or oh, Guru. Yes. Oh my gosh! Some of the things people expect on those that they just they don't know the work that goes into it, and they want basically like two hundred hours of work for like fifty bucks. Dude. Yeah, yeah. That's actually uh, so. I got rejected by Upworks when I started freelancing uh, back in the day. Back in the day, being like two years ago, uh, when I started first freelancing, I tried to get onto Upworks. It was originally called Elance, but then they got acquired and became Upworks. It is the worst. <laughs> Fiverr Fiverr's probably the worst worst. It is, but. but Fiverr does things differently than Upwork. So Upworks, 
you post your your what you want done, and then people bid to work on your project, right? It's okay, right? That's how you get the lowest bid. So people sometimes low go in low because they just want to do that work, mm -hmm. right? For Fiverr, it's an existing marketplace already. There are people that say, "Here are my talents. Hire me," right? So it's a, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um. The the thing that makes me the most worried when it comes to to this is one of one of the things that I see whenever a game developer is reaching their burnout stage is like it could have been taken care of if they weren't <laughs> slammed like nine nine days of like 20, 20 hour shifts. Right. <laughs> I mean, usually burnout isn't from short sprints like that. Usually it's from a marathon that should have been short sprints. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, now I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but you know, I was hearing that the some of the overtime spent on Uncharted 4 was so intense. Uh, one of their uh, one one of their major technical guys ended up having two heart attacks on that project. Whoa! Uh, which is ridiculous. Uh, right. Something like 90 hour weeks for over a year, which is, is just obviously way too much. Yeah. I did that for a month. <laughs> I was so loopy. And then when everybody, because Microsoft at one point in time had a huge backlog of cases. So I, I was hired during that backlog. They were just taking anybody, <clears throat> which is great because that was, meant I got out of UPS. Uh, so in Microsoft, Xbox support, we just had this huge backlog of cases, just people wanting their password reset, weren't getting it, weren't calling back in, so they had like 50 tickets open over a course of like six months. So you just get these these accounts that have like multiple service requests mm -hmm. and you're having to answer them all. Uh, they ended up doing overtime, right, and allowing you to, to take overtime. At the time, my dad had been like, you can't move out until you save up $2,000. They opened overtime, so I saved up $4,000 and then moved out a little bit afterwards. But during that time, I pulled 100-hour weeks for months straight. It's not all right. It's not all right. No. Uh, my my arm, my because I'm a righty, my right arm, it was pain through my arm. Uh, I was constantly loopy because I, I didn't sleep enough. Uh, when I finally, when they finally kicked me out, like management was like, stop. And they kicked me out. I went over to a friend's place because I couldn't drive safely. <laughs> so I went over to a friend's place and I passed out for about two days. I was just <clears> gone. <throat> they, woke me up, they woke me up long enough to like eat and hydrate and take care of myself and then just let me sleep the rest of the time. Right. And so, yeah, not exactly good. And I think they say like you, if you can go up to... 11 days without sleep, but once you hit 11 days, that's when your body starts to shut down. Right, right. Right? And within, like, 14, you're down. <laughs> now, would you say that that you were required to work that much? Oh, no. That was a, that was a choice, right? That's the thing. That's the difference. That's Well, mm -hmm. it's not just the difference. That's how they get you, right? They they mm -hmm. exploit you to work your hardest, uh, the, these, these companies, um, by exploiting your passion for something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's usually how this crunch comes about, is you're, you're super passionate about getting certain features in or making it the best quality you possibly can. And nobody can argue that games like Uncharted 4 aren't extremely high-quality games, mm -hmm. right? Uh, 
but they're, you know, to, to achieve that, so many people's passions had to be put full force into this thing to the point where it, it started to detriment their own health. Mm-hmm. And that's how they get you in general. And um, now imagine that. Mm-hmm. And then it comes out and it gets shit on. Right. And, that, and that's what I was about to say. On the flip side of that, like the longer time you take to develop, the more upset your consumers get. Yeah. Right? Because they already know you made an awesome game and now you're telling them we're making another awesome game. And they're like, okay, it's going to be out in a year, right? Like, no. Like, we have new engines, we have to get everybody up on this, we got to get all this stuff going, got to make sure that it, like, we don't retcon by accident or, or break the law or whatever. But they don't get that. And, we, and we've talked, we've talked multiple times on the podcast just about consumers and, and, their, and their perception when it comes to game development. And it's just always off, in a way. They, they see these games... And to some of their credit, I mean, we see some games that are, like, 17 years in development, and when they finally come out, they are lackluster. They didn't really meet the standard that they were supposed to, to have, right? So I can see the disappointment on their, their end, but also the lack of understanding. And this is why we, we get so much into, like, the education of what game development is and yes. the business of games and even on the developer side, like, there's not a huge understanding. You don't, uh, as an indie, when you're first getting in and it's your first time touching it, you don't really get a sense of what it, what you're going to be walking into, right? You just know, I've got to put some things together, make a move around a screen, and make it look awesome. But the process of doing that, and especially as a single person doing it, can take years. Oh, yeah. Oh, years. Yeah. And, you know, you see some of these huge games, and even those, like, God of War took five years, and they had a huge team of Mm -hmm. uh, 200-plus people, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And a lot of Sony money, which helps. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's what we've said before. Like, the biggest cost in games is not the software. It's the people. Yep. It's the people. And when you're looking down at it, what goes into people? You're talking about health insurance. You're, I mean, any kind of company and benefits that you can give them, especially if you're going to ask them to work 90, 90 yeah, week, yeah. like 90 hour weeks. Like, the damage that it does is irreparable. Like my, there was a little over a year when I was working on my music degree that I, when mm-hmm. I was still at UPS, I was mm-hmm. working three jobs at the time. I was working at my church. I was working as a webmaster and student assistant on campus. Mm-hmm. And I was working as a supervisor at UPS and working on a music degree. And I literally got four hours of sleep every night from 7.30 at night to 11.30 at night was my sleep window for mm-hmm. over a year. And I didn't know how to describe how I felt to people except that, like, it felt like the blood was sort of skipping through my veins. There's, like, this loopy, kind of mm-hmm. cold, twitchy feeling. Yeah, I did I did something similar. I worked three jobs and went to school full-time. And I was writing a book, too, which has been published since, right? Which um, I read. <laughs> thank you. I just finished this. Uh, and... Unlike you, I didn't actually get four hours of interrupted sleep. I've got an hour here, an hour there, maybe two hours there, right? I probably slept on average during weekdays two hours every day. Because of, I also lived in Louisville at the time, yeah, too, yeah, which yeah. was, yeah, and I we was going... neighbors. Yeah, we probably, we were, so I was living near Louisville at the time, and then when I moved over, it was like... It was, oh, I could, it got to a point where I had to start sleeping at friends' places who lived closer because I couldn't, or I had to sleep in my car mm-hmm. in the school parking lot because I was just done. 
it was like I was, especially during peak season, you wake up at 12 a.m. in the morning and then you go to go to heavy lifting for about four or five straight hours. You get out and you're just covered in all the worst grime you've um, ever seen. That box dust, I don't know what, like it gets embedded in your palms. And oh, even, yeah. even the grit soap won't get it out. <laughs> yeah, it Boxes are dirty. <laughs> uh, but so going back to, to what we we're saying, I mean, even UPS knows this, even any company knows this, your biggest overhead is going to be taking care of your people, right? And I don't think the consumers really have a grasp on that. Yeah. On that. I think they also don't have a grasp on the damage that they do with some of their vitriol. Like, mm. critique is valid. Like, saying, saying something, yes, yeah. good, yeah. you know, actionable. <laughs> You know, like offering up, hey, uh, I didn't really like this part of the game, or whatever. Uh, that's fine. But when you get things, let me let me paint a picture for you. So, like, <laughs> I grew up reading web comics and all that stuff, all the game comics, you know, video game cats, VG cats, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Penny Arcade, mm -hmm. Control Delete, all that stuff. Pottery rumbles. <laughs> Uh, right. Well, anyway, so I get to college, I'm working my butt off to get into the game industry because I've just been so passionate about it. And then one of, not the first, but one of the first games I release, uh, one of the webcomics that I grew up reading calls it Stillborn. And, like, I read all the comments, you know, they always say don't read the comments. I read the comments on videos and all that stuff. And nothing really bothered me that much until I read that. <laughs> and that hit me harder than anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, people don't realize, come, creatives, right? Because you're a creative, yeah. right? Creatives are sensitive. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean sensitive so don't as in like, oh, asshole. they're sensitive about nature and butterflies and things like that. No, I mean sensitive as in they put everything they had, like their soul into their baby. And then they released it into the wild and you just ran up and pretty much kicked it in the face. Right. Right. Um, when you deliver a comment like that. And especially if it's to somebody you look up to and, or somebody that you followed for such a long time, they turn around and it's like, oh, yeah, this this is crap. And you're just like, but you're my hero. Why would you say that? Like, I feel this was because of you kind of thing. You're my inspiration. So I had a comment once that came my way, two comments once that came my way back when I was first really getting into writing where I received some harsh critiques. My reaction you couldn't do this because you're, you know, scare right, box. Right, but right, right. my reaction was to run and yell at people, then don't read it, and promptly delete my story. <laughs> then don't read it. It's not, you don't like it. You don't understand. Yeah. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't have that option. Right, 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 right. I can't exactly walk up to Gabe and Tycho and, like, bitch slap them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as much as I would like delete to. Delete all the accents. But, but a good critique, right, a good critique, changes the way you approach some things. Right, right. Right, and that's an art that isn't taught anymore. Critiquing isn't taught anymore. How to give a good critique. All we see now is how to say how things are bad. Uh, and Trash talk. Well, okay, so here's a question. When was it taught? It used to be taught in critical thinking. Okay. Right, it used to be taught back in back in high school. Right, you're just like your your freshman's uh, junior year. You're taught critical thinking, right? And in there, and when you're going through English and stuff like that, you'd have to critique papers. Yeah, uh, everyone should take a workshop, even if you don't consider yourself a creative. Like, mm -hmm. It's 
Yeah, it changes a lot of yeah. the way that you that you think. And when you get a good critique, and it, they really point out a flaw that you have, like for me, one of my flaws that, that I had that really changed was that I tend to um, focus too much on the world and forget about my characters. Right? <laughs> and that, that's very common for anybody that does anything that's very lore heavy. You sometimes forget about your characters and focus on the world, right? So what I'm trying to say here is if you don't like something, Giving feedback, but doing it in a way that is meaningful is important. Um, yeah. Remember when Andromeda came out? Yeah, yeah. Right? There was a huge backlash on it. I'm part of this game writing community. Mass Effect Andromeda. For yeah, Mass Effect Andromeda. Game writing community. And then Nemo came out, because they had an Nemo thing. Nemo came out and it said, what happened to Andromeda? Like, did these people not know? And they didn't even consider that people who had written for Andromeda is work. probably a part where yeah we're probably a part of the game writing thing and now they just saw a place that they go to do all of this stuff to get encouragement from other game writers just come out and call them and they're like well like this isn't all of their fault there's a hundred re other reasons why that didn't work out uh, so what are we trying to say here <laughs> don't <laughs> be we... a little <laughs> uh, yeah i mean what, I want to know what the scenario is that, that causes somebody to, to want to jump online and immediately uh, spew vitriol at, at, at people who create the content that they're that's putting a lot into. to That's a lot to unwrap. It, it's a number of things. You just have the trolls. Right. You have the people that just want to... I mean, the internet gives you gives you a chance to have a voice without having to be known. Right. right? Well, the trolls are one thing, but, but often you'll see some of the worst offenders are people who... Like, if you look at Steam reviews... If you go onto Steam reviews and look at some of the worst reviews on there, you'll and then look at the hours spent in those games. Uh, you're looking at somebody with like hundred to two, three hundred to a thousand plus hours spent in your game. Now giving a negative review about it, it's like, well, you know, your review matters, but you already paid the money and put a lot of hours into the game, and I don't think most developers expect you to put three hundred hours into a game, yeah. depending on the game. Yeah. If people would just consider. When they that like, creatives need to be critiqued. That's how we get sharpened, right? That's how we get better at our craft right. is by being critiqued, both positively and negatively. Um, but always at least consider that that the person you're critiquing may have had two heart attacks working on what you're <laughs> critiquing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a better platform than just shouting negative things into the internet. Yeah. Like, you can go to... If, you, if you're playing a game that you like and you have something negative to say, well, go have a conversation about it in, like, the game's actual forum. Yeah. Don't just throw in a hate review, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're going to have a way of really cleaning that up. Right? You're right. It, there, there, it's not, because the internet has allowed for that kind of culture to exist. Absolutely. Right. And, I mean, you, you see... You have... We have seen communities, game gamers, game companies create hire on community managers to fix those issues, right? Uh, to encourage better online reactions to things. But it's still a very big world and you we live in a culture where we are designed or not designed where we get offended to be offended. Like we're offended to be offended. Yeah. Sort of mm -hmm. thing. People kind of get high on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
There's a lot to unpack. We could go on for ages, but we have reached the end of our episode. So, and we actually, like, Daniel, you said this morning, how are we going to turn this into, like, an actual hour long? We actually passed that a little bit ago. Yeah, we <laughs> so, definitely did. We're at 100. Uh, we're at an hour and 12 minutes now. So. Right. So we're going to go ahead and end it here. Thank you guys for joining us. As always, I'm Rebecca. I'm Michael. And I'm Daniel. And if you want to join us... Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to join us, we do have two meetups. We meet up on Thursday at Whole Foods and Runner Roads in Plano. And here at Nirvana on Friday, they are both at 8 a.m. Or if you can't make it out once every month, the last Tuesday of every month, we have a beer club. But you can always join our conversation on Facebook or Discord. Or you can hit one of us up anytime. You all have a great morning, a great day, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.